Welcome to True House Stories. I am Lenny Fontana, and I said to my boy Maurice Joshua, who's sitting in the backstage, I wanted to say, Chicago is my kind of town. <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> Sinatra saying it. I ain't Sinatra, but God damn it, I'm, I'm Lenny Fontana. I'm bringing you True House Stories each and every week. And a few months back, somehow we were all talking on another app called Clubhouse. And Maurice came up and we all hit him up hard and heavy. And then <laughs> the conversation came to, yo, can you do the show? He's like, yeah. So I want to welcome from Chicago, Lenny Fontana, Joshua, part of Hurley's camp, part of music, <laughs> part of God, everything, everything in everyone's camp. It's a lot, man. It's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff. Clubhouse, all that stuff. What's going on, True House Story people? How y'all feeling? I am Maurice Joshua, y'all. And he is the man that did, this is acid. <laughs> so, as I ask everyone, the same thing we know, Christ, everything is going bonkers right now with COVID opening and places opening up. How are you doing out there in Shar? I'm good, man. Like I said before, man, I am truly and just simple blessed, man. I, I thank God every each and every day, man, for keeping our family healthy, man, and um, just having work to do, man. It, it was hard because a lot of people didn't work during the pandemic, and I was steady busy, man. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing. Wow. That's incredible. Thank God. And you look good. You look like well, thank you, man. You know, try try to keep it in shape for y'all, man. In the gym working out, man. Ta -ta. <laughs> Let's all give him a big huge congratulations. He just <laughs> just consummated the engagement. He is gonna be Oh, thank you so much. Yes, I, I'm off the market now. Woo, been a long time, man. So that that Porsche <laughs> is off the market. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get right in it because he's got a lot of stories. Let's go. So let's, here we let's go. Let's go. Go ahead. First question is, as I ask every contestant and everyone that qualifies to be on this show, is how did music find you or you find the music as a young man, young kid? Oh, oh man, that's 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 the several stories. So um, it's, it's a two part. It's a two part to that. Um, music was always in my home, man. I, I, you know, my brother, Xavier, my other brother, Andrew. Always used to listen to Earth, Wind & Fire back in the day. So I was always an Earth, Wind & Fire head, man. Just music was always around me. Then I got into the band playing when I was a younger age. And because um, I saw a story about Benny Goodman, I was like, man, I want to play the clarinet and the trombone. So I wanted to do that. So I got into music like that on the on the live side, like real playing music. On the DJ side, it was definitely from my brother, Xavier, that um, really good friends, Frankie Knuckles. Um, used to go out to the warehouse back in the day, man. And at, at that time I was like 12, 13, you know, almost 14 years old. And, um, just seeing him getting ready at midnight by the time I'm about to go to bed and I'm like, what y'all about to do? He's like, we about to go party and blah, blah, blah. And he, he'll, he'll come back home when I'm getting up in the morning, like 10 o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. And he was just getting back in. So it, it intrigued me a lot. And to see him DJ. Um, at the time I was just like, I want to start doing that. So he, he locked me in a room. Um, I remember eighth, eighth grade and, uh, told me start picking out records, make sure you know how to the, the match the tempos and just pick out the records and blend them together. They told me, you know, never blend vocals, the vocals and all this other stuff. So that's how I got into the DJ part of it. So you're finding yourself as a DJ first. 
And so let's say what years are these and what music is around you at that time? Like what's the big tracks around that time? So that Well no, I'm I'm gonna start I, I was a musician first. Musician you know, playing, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was I was clarinet, I was trombone, vowel trombone, baritone, and then I ended up playing tuba, then I had all percussions. <laughs> So you played all woodwinds and everything. Woodwinds, man. Yes. Yes. No keyboard. No piano. No piano. Nothing like that. Until like until the late 80s. That's when I was te teaching myself how to play. Early 90s. Taught myself how to play. Not as well as some of those music you can go out there and have a concert, but I can get my way around the keyboard. Yes. Actually, I <laughs> But you know what? When you need that horn section, like Earth, Wind, and Fire, you. Oh yeah, like, oh, oh. <laughs> right. I gotta give grab my horn. Somebody stole my clarinet, man. I gotta. I'm, I'm gonna find y'all. Whoever took my clarinet. Be careful, because he means that. <laughs> so at that time, DJing wise, uh, late '80s. So um, you know, back then Chicago was coming up as uh, the hot mix five. You know, you had Farley Keith, Ralph Rosario, Mickey Oliver, Scott Seals. Um, so that that was coming of age, and, and the Chicago house sound was coming up. They created Chicago house music. So I grew up at that time where everything was coming about. Um, you know, the Italian house was really big, man. Like, uh, I remember my first record I purchased myself was uh, Koto, Japanese War Games. Oh my goodness, man. That was like a hot record, man, back then. So all the Italian dance, like Hypnotic Tango, um, uh, I'm Hungry, um, all that, Klein MBO. So we that generation was like going on from the Italian house and then the the straight Chicago own house music. So yeah, I can hear, even in New York, Dirty Talk, those records were huge too here. Oh my That's goodness, awesome. yes. And I remember New York, New York back in the early 80s too, I mean late 80s, um, I forget who made it, but It's a Mean World was a huge record. I was just like, oh my goodness, love that record. Um, I remember David was playing that record, man, because when we used to travel back in the This Is Acid days, uh, we used to be in New York every weekend. And, I mean, lived in New York. I lived out in Ocean Hill, Bronzeville, and Brooklyn, man, for like the entire year I was out there. So I stayed there. Um, I could hear the song to Mean World too. I could hear it. Yeah. Oh my goodness, man. We played the, oh that record was just, oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. And then um, you know, just help Maurice, Joshua, and Lenny who's forget the name. I got it in my crib. if I type in it's me where it'll come up, but I forget the name of it. Yeah. Everybody, let me go to Prevision for those moments. <laughs> I need to take my so, prevision. <laughs> yeah, so so back then after the this is you know during the disaster tour days, you know we used to go to the red zone. Uh, wait, 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 hang on. Go back, okay. go back, go back, because you okay. go. You're already um, success already. No, we got to get before the success. You're already okay. Okay, 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 okay. So where's this whole okay. from school? You're getting your DJing on, and okay, so here we go. So. Doing the door, so I started DJ. My brother taught me how to DJ. So of course, I started in high school. Um, started out DJing, doing all the so-called homecoming gym jams. Uh, and then while I was in class, I met this one guy, which is sitting right behind me in class, and his name was Hula Mahone. So as AKA Hot Hands Hula. So he used to play with me and tap me in the back all the time. Like, I'm better at you, DJM, blah, 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 all this other stuff. I'm like, well, just, uh, come on, just come to, over to the house and, you know, we're, we're working out and everything. So, of course, my brother had uh, Techniques SLB1s back in the day. So we, we was playing on there. And 
back then who didn't have a, a pitch control. He used to use just paper and, and a regular turntable to pitch stuff up and down. So he came over and that's how we became friends, man, and since then high school and um been hanging out. So after after high school, you know, we started um trying to do more music. Um Hula brought uh the Roland 707 drum machine. It was, he'd say, I'm, I'm going to save up and get this drum machine. And back then, that thing cost a lot of paper back then, you know. It's not like now. Um, and then we just started making tracks. Um, our first record together was, we did an EP called The Posse. And uh, we created a hula one of that record name called Future Records. So how'd you do this now? Who's where did you do this? Where was this set up? You had the 707 drum machine. What were you right? Doing? So this was this was in Hula's parents' house, and we were upstairs in his room. Uh, one, you know, upstairs in the room, and he put everything in the closet. Slash, well, no, let me take that back. It was downstairs in the basement. Hula uh, used to set up these Christmas lights and take uh, spice the Christmas light into the speakers and make the lights go and blink with the speakers. So it was kind of crazy, man. So. Uh, who was like, I want to put out a record. I want to have a record label. So uh, we did everything under a group named The Posse. So we, we did something like that. Um, and then it was like the, some of the records took off and everything. And then we created, was that not? Okay, so no, no, this is, this is that. This is after This Is Acid. So yeah, so it was probably mid-80s, uh, say by 84 probably 85, 86. Um, you know, back then, Chicago had a lot of DJs just had to put out records. So it was, it was infinite. It was like, if you're a DJ, you had to put out records. Because back then, you know, you had, uh, of course, you had Move Your Body, which the house music anthem that came out. Um, you had Adonis, No Way Back. And then all of a sudden, all the DJs start coming, like Steve Hurley with Jack Your Body, Music is the Key. Uh, you have Farley come out with all his records, Farley, Farley. All the love came, all that stuff. So during this time, you know, it was like we wanted to create a record. So we was always doing tracks inside the house. And it was so funny because um, at the age of 17, me and Hula moved into another house that was available with a guy named DJ K. Alexi. Yeah, this guy's, yeah. he was 17, <laughs> not 27. No, it's 17, when we moved out, uh, mom was mom was freaking out and they were like, don't go, no, no. But it was an opportunity to all of us live together. So we started living there together, man, and just doing tracks and, you know, everybody's DJing and we just having a good time. And back then, I did a track that it started to rotate and it was called I Got a Big Member. You know, I don't want to say that, you know, there may be some kids watching, but... um. He's so about genitalia, genitalia. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was on Tracks Records. I remember. Well, wait, wait, before, before, before Tracks, I did the track like that. So the track was rotating in the Chicago area. And, and of course, uh, Farley Jack Master Funk at the time said, was making his, telling everybody it was his record. Okay, that, that rumor got around. And then me and Hula was DJing at a, uh, we had a little club in, in the South Suburb we called The Complex. And we have a buddy of ours that used to go in the city all the time. His name was Juju. He came to us like, listen, I know a guy that's about to go in and redo your and make your record. I'm like, make our record? I'm like, how are you going to make our record? It's my record. And me and Hula's like, okay, well, we're going to do a party next week. Have him come down to the, to the club. And uh, we're going to figure this out and take care of him. And, 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 you know, right back then, we was like, 
man, we're going we gonna to jump him, man, and, and, man, whoop his tail. So uh, that guy who, right, the guy who came down, lo and behold, his name was Liddell Townsend. Woo, there you go. <laughs> so Liddell was like, um, yeah, Larry's going to make me, uh, he's paying me to uh, remake your record. I didn't know you made it. I was just going to do it. He was like, so why don't you just come down and meet Larry and um, you can tell him that's your record and, and you can just do it. So from there on, in like 1987, we became good friends with Liddell Townsend still to this day. Um, we went down to see Larry Sherman from Tracks Records. And he was like, yeah, I was, I, he admitted, yeah, I was about to put the record out. Didn't know who it was. He said he thought it was Farley's, but Farley couldn't get him in the file. So I came down there and he was like, I want to, you know, I want to sign you to the label and pick this record up. So I'm like, Okay, didn't know nothing about that, how to make a record, like, for real, for real, in the studio, nothing like that, in a real studio. So he came down, was like, okay, I want to do this record for you, and uh, I'll give you $2,500. I'm like, ooh, that's a lot of damn money back then, man. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, cool. So me not knowing anything, of course, I brought in uh, my boy Hula, um, and Liddell Townsend was there, too. And we went into the studio and also with a, a local big big rapper back then named Cool Rock Steady. He was down with African Bambada, all these cats, man. So we was like, all right, cool. I got him on. I'm going to bring him in, too. So in the studio right there in the session, we did. I got a big member over. And, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do some other song. I'm like, Hula, let's do a record. And then I'm going to do another record on the, on the flip side. So... I did Feel the Mood with Cool Rock Steady. Um, and then Hula Pin, This Is Acid. So back then, we only had a keyboard and a drum machine. I remember having my, I had, a, I bought a Yamaha, uh, it was a C something. It was, oh my goodness. Uh, it was a keyboard. It was, it, was a, it was a keyboard almost like what David Cole had, the DX, but it was similar to that because it had some of the same sounds. Because I wanted that keyboard for one main reason, because uh, David, they, David, uh, code, they did the record, uh, with Sandy. Um, notice me. I was like, yo, I got to have that bass patch. So we was, you know, so before that, I was like, all right, I, I found something that go with there. So we go back and we in the studio. So who started creating this beat with the 808 drum machine, you know, original, just sequence and everything. You know, and it was the beat was just hitting, and then all of a sudden, we had the uh, TB three or three. So acid, acid house was just coming in. So um, we was good friends with Pierre, DJ Pierre. Uh, you know, back then from Tracks Records, Future. You know all that stuff. So uh, people don't know that uh, Pierre did. I got a bug that was on Tracks Records inside our closet when we was all living together. It was crazy, man. So it's it's a lot of stories, man. So. Hula created this bass patch on the TR-303, and it was, like, grooving, man. It was, like, so he synced it up and just, like, so, you know, playing with it, playing with the resonance. Okay. Define what you meant, because you got younger people watching, acid yes. house. What is okay. this? Because that's the thing that happened, but what was the lead-up for you doing acid house? The lead up for that was DJ Pierre and Spanky uh, from Future. 
they were one that created that sound of what they call it acid. It wasn't because of drug or anything. It was just, it was a reference to what the sound was making real grimy. And remember back in the day that the 303 wasn't really, uh, was, wasn't created for what we, we created it for. So at that time, you know, people started messing with it and, and creating a sound and it was, it was huge. So when future came out, you know, that was a style that we was trying to do it. It was hard to get at the time because people didn't know the machines to get it. Cause I think Roland made it on a few, it wasn't that popular. So it was just, you know, if you got one, you got one. That's so it. Right. yeah. So we had one. So Hula started playing with it. And then we started like, he was like, I'm gonna put some lyrics to it. I'm like, okay. Uh, who is so, DJ? But what DJ in Chicago made it famous? Like, who was the first to really play this acid house that all of a what, sudden came up? You know? Yeah, that's the DJ why, was DJ Pierre. So all of us, all yeah. of us, something because one DJ all of a sudden, boom! Everybody's yeah. like, wow, that's the sound. So he's so Pierre's playing in Chicago. He made DJ it- Pierre was right. He was a DJ. And he was also making these records where he coined the frame at the acid house. So, cause he made the song, uh, future tracks, all that stuff on tracks record, man. So that's what made it really huge for us. Um, so we made the record, um, of course, Larry Sherman at the time, uh, cause it's supposed to be a Maurice and Hula EP. And so at, when the first record came out with the labels, it had Maurice Joshua with hot hands Hula. Okay. So we put the record out 87. And it was out for for like a year, and it was doing pretty good. I mean, it was just locally on the street, we was cool, we was good. We had another record out. Okay, cool. Um, at that time, there was a gentleman in London named Les Adams. He did a remix of This Is Acid. And it started to start going up the charts. It started getting a lot of club play. People will have really tripped out because at that time during during the phase over, Ty Terry had Black Riot. Massive record, man. So it was huge. It was getting a lot of love. So I guess, you know, <laughs> it's another story about that because we was at the tunnel one day and Ty got mad at me because he was like, that's my sound. But that's another story. I'll tell you that later on. So going to the this is acid. So I get a call from Larry Sherman. And he was like, your record, This Is Acid, is blowing up. They're calling me, and they want you to do a sh- do some shows out in New York. I didn't know what a show was. I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, he's like, they want you to come perform the song. And I'm like, what? What song? And he was like, This Is Acid. They we, we took the vocals, and he got the vocals, and this guy, Les Adam, did a remix, and it's, it's getting huge. So the Les Adams remix, is that where the Tartary sound? Bom, bom. Yes. He yes. takes that? He takes that, correct. Oh, he so takes, he takes it off, off the Warlock record. So I, I believe, I, 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 you know, I talked to Les when, when we first got started, I, I, and I forget, but yeah, he definitely took that record and restructured the sample. Right, because so, at the same time, here's Tart's record, and here's this new record with you, with that same right. sound, same, same sound. That different is different. It's kind of a little different, but it's recognizable. It's, it's recognizable. Now at this time, it's like blowing up. So Larry, Larry told me I shouldn't do shows. I don't know what I'm doing. I shouldn't do that. I took this as an opportunity. Like you know what? Oh yeah, I'm going to New York. Damn so right. 
I used to I used to manage a little teen club in Chicago uh, called Mike T's. It was in Orland Park. It was uh, one of the Chicago Bears. Mike Tomczak used to own the place. So I used to manage there and play house music there. And then I used to have these employees. But then it was a nice little setup for a teen club. So I was like, you know what? We got, we got to practice because if they want to do a show, we don't have to do a show. So nice. I put together a show tape. And, you know, I was telling you back then, it wasn't no dad, no uh, no um, CD, no no MP3 file. So everything was on real to real. Right. So I'm putting everything on real to real. So at the time, we only had one record. So the, when the guy was like, you have to do a show, I called him up. It, it, was, a, it was a club in New York. And it was called the post office. I never oh, forget I that. that spot. Oh, the my post God. office. Jesus. Right. The so post- I forget the guy. Uh, oh my God, it's been so long. I forget the guy's name. I know people, but he was married to one of the cover girls. It was his wife. But he was the booking agent and he booked me. And so at that time I had to play role manager everything because I don't know what was going on. So I had to book the book the book the airfare, um, book the hotel, and so the record started getting huge. So once that happened, AM Records Vendetta picks the record up. Once they picked the record up, Larry Sherman, for some, some reason, messed the whole record up and just put my name as the first name, Maurice, <laughs> without any without Hula or nothing like that on there. So now the record just says my name. Maurice Joshua, right. Right. Just Maurice for, for just Maurice for, for, for this is acid. So Hula hears the record now because the original record, if you go back and listen to the original, this is acid is it's got all acid in there. The acid sound in TB three or three. Okay. In Les Adams remix, there's no acid. So Hula's like, this is crazy. There's no acid in there. He's like, I don't want my name nowhere on that record. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, I don't, this, this is horrible. Take I'm my like, name. Okay. He like he like I don't care about my name on it. It's cool, blah blah blah. Lo and behold, the record blows up. Man. I mean, gets, going up the air. Tell going, me how angry he gets after this. this is all I no, get. no, no. He he's not angry because believe it or not, Hulas was working at the bank. So so mind you, we was traveling. We was uh, got a booking agent, famous artists at the time. Then that went to Pyramid. So I mean, we get we we getting booked every weekend i'm out every weekend that's why i knew a lot of people i was in new york constantly i mean from the palladium to the tunnel to red zone to pallets and jersey just all that stuff man the whole new york coast we traveled from that to florida everything and around the world with this song and i remember that's why i'm coming up now we was performing at the tunnel so louis vey was djing uh johnny darnell um I mean, the tunnel was the first place, man, I went to it and was just like in awe because if you've been in a tunnel before, you know, it's a tunnel. Uh, that's why they call it a tunnel. Um, and I mean, every, and it was, this is where is the correlation of like house music at the time was so huge because you in sure, the tunnel. show was Louis Vuitton. I thought Roman Ricardo was there at that time. Well, it was Roman Ricardo. It was Johnny Darnell, and then Louis Vuitton was DJing sometimes special guest. Yeah, so at the time it was Louis there, Roman Ricardo, and then Johnny Darnell. Correct. You're right. You're right, Lenny. So at that time, so we was in a DJ booth getting the real 
wind up, you know, tails out. That's how I did my, did my reels back in the day. And Todd Terry was in there. Now, I knew who Todd Terry was. And I'm like, yeah, we started talking, but Todd kind of, he kind of, he kind of, right. He kind of stiffed us a little bit because he was like, y'all but took, took my sound and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, Ty, I ain't got nothing to do with it. But when I ain't do nothing. Then we just out here performing. It was a remix. And, and then, you know, we became real tight after that, man. So it was great. The funny part about Todd is he's sampling everybody's Everybody else. else. Right. He's telling you, he's telling you, you can take my sound. Todd, right. this, you know damn right what I'm saying. Right. No, no, but it was funny, man, because the record blew up, man. So, um, we got signed to AM Vendetta, man. Uh, at the time, Bruce Carbone was the AR person. Um, Top guy. Top guy. Right. Martha Reynolds, man, showed him, showed me about New York, which was one of the promote, promoters out there uh, for promotion. Um, man, Tommy Nappy was there. Tommy <laughs> Nappy. <laughs> right. Another legend yeah. in DJC. So, yeah, so we started trap, and man, every, I mean, back to where I was at the tunnel, man, what really freaked me out. At the tunnel, at this time, wreck was huge. So we performed like with Salt and Pepper at the time, because it, it, and it was tripped out because house went with hip hop, went with freestyle, all in one night. You would hear this this type of music. That's a Vito Bruno production. I know who Vito, that production. Is. Vito Bruno, that's right. But the cool, but the coolest thing about this Lenny was in New York. If you go inside, we was performing with him. So Biz Marquis is in there. Busta Rhyme is in there. That's right. Run Run DMC is there. Run and I mean, right. right. And Queen Latifah hanging. was just getting started hanging, dancing to our song, looking at us perform. Right. So the trip for the tripped out about it is the record was so big, man, that we was performing so much that everybody used to see us every week. We was there performing one night. Queen Latifah come to us. Now, we, we I knew the name, but we didn't know what was going on because she did come into my house at that time, which was a house track. That's come right. into my house. So she was getting onto the hip-hop sound, which Chicago created hip-hop. I'm just going to put it out there. Put it out All there. right? Okay. Right. I'm going to put it out there. So when that happened, she came to us afterwards, was like, yo, I'm doing a video the next day, which was, I think was a Saturday or Sunday. Cause we, I forget what day we performed. And we was like, she was like, I want y'all in a video. Please come by, blah, blah, blah. Of course we, we was drinking, partying all night till like four or five in the morning. Missed the video shoot. Okay. Missed the video shoot that we supposed to be in. And lo and behold, it was Queen Latifah coming to my house video that blew up too, and then she blew up on that side. And I was like, "Oh my god, we missed all that, man! Just by partying too much." <laughs> but yeah, that's that's some of the stories, man. So you know, that's that's what happened with the the this is acid, you know, side of it. So yeah, that's what happened. And then, like I said, that record was was a blessing, man, because it got me into this industry to this day. Because after I got off tour on that. That's, how That's what made me want to get into the music industry. That's what I want to know. So now you're coming home off tour. Yeah. Step back on Chicago. Where does it begin for you? Because I know all this is a whole nother world now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's totally different because, you know, we, we was getting played on radio. So we come back and I was like, I want to do this deal, but I don't know what to do. 
because I, I wanted I, I didn't know about production that much as, as strongly. So I'm like, I want to make the records. I just don't want to be in front no more because back in the day we had to be in front. I mean, you can go see the video on this is as it me and Hula and the, and the posse as we call it. But um, so it was we did two things. I, I, and I was talking about this with you earlier and I and I missed this. I'm glad you, you be thinking of stuff now. After that happened, we linked up with that guy, Wayne Williams who was the NR person for Jive Records. Okay? Um, Batman. Is, Batman. Right. right. <laughs> Batman, too. Right. Yeah, and um, so Wayne Williams, uh, was he? we was doing a remix. He brought us down. As a matter of fact, it was Liddell Townsend that contacted Wayne, and Liddell was doing a remix first, and then Liddell called us to come in there to do some remixes. So we did a remix on Mr. Lee, Pump It Up. That was a, like my, our first really house remix we did after we got off tour and did all this other stuff. Um, record came out to be great, man. Cause we did, we gave him a whole bunch of mixes on there. Um, so that record blew up. And then Wayne was like, we, we want to do some more work, blah, blah, blah. We did some more work. And it came to that. We was all together. Me, Hula, Liddell, everybody else like that. And, uh, my guy, uh, fingers who known as Azza right now. So, Hula and Fingers signed with Jive Records, okay, under their production company. So they they started they was doing some more dance stuff, but then they wanted to get it more into the R and B and 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 stuff side like that. So they went on that side and they did the you know the Will Smith Summertime and all the other stuff. I didn't want to sign with Jive, so I went with somebody I knew with Steve Silk Hurley and his company. ID Productions. All right. Okay. So they had they right. So they 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 called me in for a meeting. Him and Frank Rodrigo at the time, Larry Stern, uh, uh, rest in peace, and then Steve Hurley. And um, you know, they was like, "Listen, I, I love what y'all, you know what you've been doing, Bob. I would love to have you part of the team." I'm like, "What?" Yes. Was that a gut feeling not to sign with Jive? Was it just like you had this gut gut reaction, or you were just like, "Nah, I don't belong there." It was this that made you say because that's a remember that's a major label through Aristotle, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it's like absolutely. Why, why would someone say no? What was your reason? Well, I think because I, I wanted to do different things because at the time they wasn't doing any type of house if it wasn't for Wayne, you know, Wayne being the anna on that side. So me coming there, I probably had to conform and doing some type of R and B, which at the time I didn't want to do anything. I wanted to do straight, just all house. That's okay. what I want to do. So knowing the background of Steve Hurley, you know, from his production back in the day, his remixes, and I was a big fan of Hurley. So I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go over here and sign on this side. Okay. So um, that's so that's that's 90, early 90, like straight 1990 right there. Um, see, because I got off tour like 90, 89 and started doing some work. So 90. Yeah, two, two and a half, three years touring. Hard. Absolutely. Hard. Hard. Good. Hard. I mean, I, that's why all my New York, I love you because I, I I was out there just living out there, man. It was great. Back it up for everybody. We used to say it like this, from titty to titty, city to city. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Dirty, everybody, but he knows what I mean when you're in the... Yes. In those days, we weren't thinking about getting on a plane to go to Europe. We were just right. thinking regional. Regional Please. record. Right, regional. regional. That's right. A regional yeah. record. That's right. Yeah, oh, you're right. You're national. right, Lenny. Wait, and you got a record with national? That's what they would say. National? 
Wow. People don't people don't know about that right now, right? They, you had to go through all that back in the day. You don't remember, you don't know that. You don't know how yeah. hard the, like this man, Maurice is talking step by step, getting on planes, taking buses, whatever, limos, and you just go strength to strength. You're just going day to day. Yeah. Less. And you yeah. can do that for that long time. And coming out of nowhere. It's not like yeah. you're done on it. You have, you know, a big he stepped up to the game and said, Okay, now I'm gonna be instantaneous Maurice this is acid and go right. yeah and, and that's you know what and the blessing cool thing about that Lenny is while we was climbing that ladder going up on the ladder with the charts and everything we were always humble because we knew where we came from and we knew what we had to do to get there and that was a that was a blessing too because when you know when you come down and chart, your records ending and blah 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 some of the same people that I, I was in New York with that was promotion people that I was always nice to sign every copy, every picture until they didn't have nothing else to do. Yeah. And even though you tired, whatever, I wasn't asking them. They asked me to do anything, promo commercials. All, we did all that. And lo and behold, we had great relation, relationships because every president to the label that was giving us remixes knew me because of this is acid because they was the promotion person at the time. Now they and our people and in, in higher places now. And so they remember me. Power. Yes. Power and they got power. And but they remember me being that humble. Like, listen, you always did this for me. I got you on this remix. What you need, who you want to work with, blah, blah, blah. That's how it happens. So you, yeah. So I go into Hurley Camp and um it was great, man, because I, I I was a big fan of Hurley, of his, especially his remixes from him just stripping the track down and then you know doing all laying all new parts and everything. So that was kind of new because you know, Frankie and David, I, I I can say probably was one of the pioneers of that. And then Hurley transitioned in that. So it was kind of great, man, because when I first came into the camp, it was just Hurley doing all the remixes. And then he was telling me about this guy that was like, he only works late at night. Uh, you may want to work with him. He had, you had being here like after midnight and you can see him. And his name was Eric Eastmove Miller. And it was crazy because... You know, he always does the late night mixes. And I see why, because Eric used to just come in at 12 o'clock at midnight and do all his production because he was working during the daytime as a teller. So he was, he was, you know, burning both sides of the candle. So um, we created a team, man. And Hurley wanted to transition because he was doing so much remixes. So it was at the time when we first started, it was Hurley, East Move and myself. So we was giving everybody three different three different type of style of mixes that uh, remixes at the time for a price of one. So uh, Hurley would do like the, the the probably the club pop mix, radio stylish club, right? Radio stylish, right? Eric would of course would do the late late night mix. So you like New Jersey type of style, real mm -hmm. undergroundish, you know, real soulful. And then they had they wanted me just to do the underground mixes. Limited vocals at the time and all this other. So I have to say, I was the first before Puffy or anything else that be saying this is the remix or using a voice as a remix. I did it first before him. Let you know it's already out there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so uh, I, I, we started doing that. And um, it got huge, man, because it, it started to grow, man, the, all the remixes. And as a powerhouse, you know, and people start saying, oh, I can get three different mixes, you know, for this price and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. So 
doing the early 90s, man, mid-90s, man, it was like we did so many remixes, man, to the point, like I was telling you, like, you know, Def Mick, Judy White was calling everybody, like, who are you guys and how are you taking half the work that we're doing, you know, from New York, you know, which was kind of crazy at the time, you know, oh, because yeah, Def Mix. Don't forget, bro, Hurley's mixes were on daytime radio. Yeah. So yeah. don't ever, everybody, don't, please don't get this twisted. Hurley yeah. was incredible. And we all said it, right? Absolutely. 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 So he absolutely. And said it so right. You're getting Hurley. You're getting Maurice Joshua and E. Smooth for the same one price of Hurley. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, a no so, Think about yeah, it. So, and, the, and the cool thing about it is the reason why Hurley did that, because he wanted to trans transition out of doing all the remixes to do just major production, you know, and then switching up to like trying to R&B funk stuff. And that's why he put his on like that. And it worked, man, because after he stopped doing all the remixes, but he'd just, he'd do certain type depends on what it is, you know, uh, like the Michael Jackson, all that stuff like that. Can you, um, can you give people synopsis of Hurley for his pedigree? Cause he comes out of R and B too, right? As far as he's got a, no, big Her, Her, Hurley was, yeah, well afterwards. Yeah. I mean, before he was, you know, just known for the house stuff, but he transitioned well because he did like the CC Pennison with the R and B stuff. Keep on walking. That was huge for him. You know, all the Shantae Savage. So, yeah. So, I mean, Hurley, he, great vision, man. And, and like I said, the man was just great talented, man, especially on the spice and tip. Um, and just arrange it. He's the one that taught me really how to arrange a song to how you're supposed to do it. You know, from intro, uh, you know, it can be the pre-hook, uh, pre then, the, you know, the, the verse one. In the verse B, then you got the chorus, then vampire, whatever it has to be. So, yeah, I learned a lot from that. And then that was one of the places where when I came into, I was just keyboard and drum machine, like, you know, just, you know, all, all just the drum machine and the keyboard and programming like that. So it was like he, that place, ID Production, first brought me into like working on a computer, which they had the little small SE, you know, Mac, you know, black and white. And then on the program they was using at the time was digital performer. It was crazy, man, because it, it was it was crazy the sequence because never did that before. So they locked me in a room, man, with this guy named Manny Moore, uh, which Manny is known for writing all the hits for 20 figures, like Short Dick Man, Lick It, you know, all that stuff, Maximilian, all the things like that. So um, yeah, so we talked how me how to, you know, the, the sequence, everything, and produce inside the computer. And I was like, okay, this is kind of nice because you can see everything on the screen. And you don't have to go to each scene on the drum machine or anything. So it was, it was much easier and more faster for production and everything on that side. Yeah. So you actually got all your, your, your chops basically at the ID at the ID Eiffel Tower, basically. Absolutely. So that's when I started sitting down at the keyboard. Right. You're not taught talent. Talent you're coming there with. You're yeah. taught the fundamentals of, hey, this is how we do records like this. Correct. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And, and learning the industry and... um. Yeah, man, just started, you know, that's what I really sat down in the cube. Like, I got to start learning some chords or something, you know, to, to get down with this. So, man, and just had to, and like I said, from that end, we re remixed everything from Diana Ross, Madonna, Michael Jackson, Paul Abdul, Crystal Waters, CeCe Pennison, a ton of people overseas that was huge records for everybody, like Jamanda, just everything, man. So it, it was great until... 
<laughs> like I was saying before. Hang on, let when me I, when I, stop for a second. Go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Last 